can't be having too much fun. <laughs> yeah. And I think it was such a fine balance too. Even now, it's like if I leave the house on Saturday, like can I ask my mom <laughs> to also leave the house on a Sunday? Like you Sunday. cannot have fun two days in a row in, a row. in an immigrant household. Like that's just what the tea is. Can that be the quote? Like that's <laughs> actually a quote. <laughs> All right. Hello, hello, hello. It's Pallavi. And it's Sharon. And welcome back to another episode of Chai in Our 20s. So today, Pallavi and I will be talking about the immigrant experience and what it's like to be the children of immigrants. Absolutely. But before we dive into that, we do want to take a moment to acknowledge that we are on the land of the Indigenous peoples of Canada. And I think it's important to acknowledge that as as immigrants, as people who were born here, because, um, you know, you might have come here a couple of generations ago. Maybe your parents, grandparents, great grandparents might have been immigrants to this land. And we need to do what we can to support um, the Indigenous peoples of Canada and really take the time to understand the issues shoes. Um, I think that there's a lot that's been going on in the news with grave sites being discovered. Um, and that's, you know, conversation that's continuing. And I think take the time to learn. We'll be posting about this on our socials. Uh, so you can use that, our stories, especially to learn more about the issues as well. Thank you, Polly, for kicking us off. So I'm going to start off with the tough questions or the easy questions. Um, when at or at what age did you land in Canada? Um, I think I would have been eight to eight, eight ish. Um, wait, let me think eight or nine, eight. It's so hard to remember. So I finished I, yeah. grade four there and then I was back in grade four here because things here are a little bit like right, right, right. It shifts a bit with the age group. Yeah, yeah. I was so in grade one. So I was like six. Yeah. So, okay. I'm thinking of the question of was Toronto the home, the first landing spot for you and your family? Yes. Yes, it yeah. was. Yeah. Um, Pearson International. For those who know, they know. No. <laughs> Genuinely, same here. Um, I remember, luckily, we came here during the summertime. So I remember our family who was here, they were kind of like, brace yourselves. You don't know what's in store for winter. And they were right. Um, definitely did not know. But I will say I did grow to love winter. I definitely love the cold. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> the silence. Um, I guess not the same sentiment coming from you, but that's okay. I'm a fall girly or a summer girly, but I'm not a spring not or a, a winter girly. Winter. Spring's just too rainy for me. I love the rain. Oh, yeah. Okay, fair. I love the rain. I love winter. I do love fall too, though. Um, summer is nice because I am a sun person. It's just the heat. Like, I just can't deal with anything above 25 degrees. Like, I start just, I'm like, it is too hot. It is actually too hot. I need the AC to be cranked up. Um, but that's besides the point. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I think we as immigrant children have a very unique lens. And I think that is something everyone has their own stories, which I truly believe is 
everyone has their stories. But I think at the same time, we can all relate. I know um, media is one way that showcases it. I know that show Kim's Convenience, when I watched it, like even though it was representing a Toronto Korean family, there were a lot of similarities. And I think it also showed the diversity in Toronto when you move to a city like Toronto and you come here, like it's literally a mini world, right? Like you have everyone from everywhere. Um, and I think that show did a good job just depicting like, you know, what it's like to be an undergrad and, you know, like it shows how the cultural roots are still there, but you're constantly trying to adapt to Canadian values and, you know, you're trying to hold on to your own and you do, you still do. It's trying to find that fine balance of like respecting both cultures, but also respecting yourself and finding yourself. So I think immigrant children don't give themselves enough credit for how much they have to navigate because their parents are navigating something on their own. And then at the same time, you're navigating something on your own. Um, So, I mean, shout out to all our parents too, because I don't know if I have the courage to do what they did and just be like, all right, we're going to move halfway across the world. Um, I think about that sometimes and I'm like, literally, like, I don't know. I don't know how they did it. And can I just say that I think it's also important to acknowledge the privilege that we had as children Mm -hmm. um, because that like integration is a little bit easier um, from my experiences uh, as a child versus kind of being an adult and having to navigate Mm -hmm. not only like raising your family as you would um, in any other place in the world, but also in a new country that you aren't familiar with. A lot of the times there are language differences because it might not be your first language um there is a difference in kind of how much of your education translates because of systems um and all of that is so much more difficult versus being a kid like you just go to school and you know grade one grade four um much much different than being an adult who maybe has to like change their career has to learn a new language um i think there's that privilege that I, i would like to acknowledge that i had coming here when I was younger and our experiences are going to be based off of maybe those many years ago rather than perhaps maybe some of the people who come here uh, when they're older as students as young professionals because I think those are important experiences to acknowledge but those aren't our lived experiences Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I agree like 100% I think when you were saying that too I was like I had a mini flashback of thinking like at the same time kids you're mean like luckily like thank goodness like nothing personally to me but like I've witnessed as well I'm like some kids can be really mean like you know like it can be something as small as like tiny little comments about your food or you know like bringing like home-cooked meals to a cafeteria like those are all things where I feel like it might prevent someone from enjoying their home-cooked meals like later on because you know they might have a moment of embarrassment or feel ashamed and like it's unfortunate but like kids can also be easily influenced right so it's like you want to fit in you want to have like you want to have friends you want to make friends right so I know there's also that growing up there's not everyone is coming from wealthy homes right like so as children growing up there might be certain things that you might not be able to have right and like you know whereas like those who are born and brought up here or who already have generational wealth here right like those are things where like some of those kids might be a lot more privileged and so I feel like a lot oftentimes like immigrant kids have to navigate that as well right like and be able to kind of build through I don't know just being able to be like okay like understand they have to be a lot more understanding I do see that 
immigrant kids, like especially if they do come at a younger age, it can go two ways. Uh, and I, I guess like this is speaking from my experience and those around me, it's like I see a lot more understanding. Um, and then because as kids, like you, you, you pick up a lot of things. I think you pick up right. a lot of things, right? Like you're able to see what's going on. You're also able to see like, okay, how can I make my parents' lives easier? But like at the same time, how do I navigate the school life? Because that's where you spend majority of your time growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it also depends on like what region of of a country you're coming into. So mm-hmm. I think Toronto and in particular, sort of the Northwest side of Toronto is very diverse, right? And yeah. I think we've spoken about this before where I think I saw a lot of people of color growing up. In fact, mm-hmm. in grade five, they put me in an ESL class. So everybody was an immigrant, a recent immigrant in my class. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know what they were doing. They were trying out like some kind of programming um, because I think in the past they would pull ESL students out for like an hour mm-hmm. or two each day. And I think that could be an isolating experience. So I guess they figured that they would just create this one cohort because of the very high kind of population of, you know, immigrants coming into that area. Um, that's that's what my experience was. And I think that helped me kind of stay connected. It also, although we were like from different countries and mm-hmm. different even parts of India, and we've spoken about how there are so many language differences and cultural mm-hmm. differences within the regions. And I don't even remember anybody being from the region that I was from, mm-hmm. but I think that common shared experience of being immigrants really connected us and helped us not feel alone. Now, I can imagine this being a contrast to an experience where maybe you're in a little bit more of a remote region, maybe more suburban, and you are one of the only, you know, perhaps immigrants coming into a class. Maybe there's one or two other people, but you're probably not in the same class. And that's Mm -hmm. going to be a very different experience versus people, um, versus everybody in your class also having that same experience as you being new, maybe not Mm -hmm. having an understanding of the language as well as maybe some of the other students in in the school. And also like being able to share those cultural meals because again, like everybody in your class could relate. Yeah, no, you're right. When you talk, I'm still holding on to that part where you said like they pick on ESL because I was thinking about the first thing that happened to me when I came to school here was, um, so when I used to write in cursive, so even at like grade one, like we did printing way younger, right? Like it was a little bit more like advanced. So it's like, I had already learned how to print. And then now I was like, according to my parents, I could write cursive very well. And I do remember that. I remember being able to practice writing cursive and that was all I did. All I did was writing in cursive. But as soon as I got here, they had actually made me switch back to printing. And they said, I can't do cursive anymore. Even though we learned cursive in grade three, like two years later, they made me unlearn cursive basically, which was something that was so interesting to me. And Right. <laughs> and now I look at my writing and I'm like, that is why, because I fused. probably have, a, exactly, I have a very fused <laughs> writing can style. I, can I just say like, what is the obsession with handwriting? Like I look back to elementary years and I'm like, okay, I know it's important to learn how to write, but like, what is the obsession that even our parents had growing up to make us write pages and be like, work on your handwriting. And I'm like, it doesn't matter. We have computers now. That's the thing. I think times have definitely changed. I feel like, I remember even when we were in elementary school, we had those like typewriting racing games. So it's like, you know, making sure we had speed with that. But um, I think what's just interesting is like, even when it comes to school, like there are things that we need to learn and unlearn. 
right? So like that was part of our growing up experience and like being able to like balance the two, like tiny little things like that. It's just like, wow, like how many ever years later, I'm like looking at my handwriting and I'm like, oh, this could explain why I write the way that I write, you know? I can go off on the schooling system, system? And the education system and like the inequities, but I won't. But I will say that when I was in elementary school, somebody told me when I wanted to pick up a book, they were like, that's all your reading level. And I was like, the audacity, like, so what? Let, let like, let, let me kid try just because of what? Like, I didn't grow up here. I came here like a year and a half ago. You're telling me that that's, that's not, not your reading level. Like, excuse you, miss. Damn. Okay. True story. Well- you wouldn't say that to, to any other kid. You would only say that to a racialized person. Can I get an amen? Like, actually, genuinely. I'm telling you, like, there and, is systemic, Yeah. like, I'll say it, there's systemic racism or there's a systemic bias, at least, against, you know, maybe people who weren't, who came here at a more recent time than some of the other students. And I don't think that's true. Incidentally, I had gone to, like, an English school um, over the past couple of years before I had immigrated here. So I had known the language, but they were still kind of like, well, you speak it differently. Um, and that's fine, but it's just, to me, it's just kind of like, don't say that to a kid. Like that's so discouraging to a kid. And then I hate reading now. I have to force myself to read every read. Yeah, no, I, that's what I'm saying. Like, there's so many things as a kid where I realize I'm like, you hold on to it and like, it carries on into like, workplaces it carries on to like higher education right and like it's just and I think that's what sometimes it's like a couple of us like will gravitate towards each other a little bit more because we'll be like oh your parents were like that or like oh yeah like school treated you like that like you know there are like certain things that unfortunately we had to go through but I can confidently say that like yeah it made us more resilient like there is that to it right like we have had our fair shares of like you know at least at the end of the day, probably like you are still reading, you know what I mean? You still push through, like you hate it, unfortunately, like, or like, you know, that event made that happen for you. But mm-hmm. I think you're a resilient human. And Thank I you. think that- <laughs> I, think I refuse that I- to read fiction still. Cause I think really? like when you're younger, you would read a lot more storybooks, but like now I'm more into like the nonfiction genre, the fun books, like, you know, great at work, the 1% rule, like that's like, work optimization. We'll be reading Untamed and mm-hmm. Sharon, you're going to be reading it too. So we can yes. talk about it on one of our yes. episodes. Um, so I think there is that like element of not wanting to potentially like engage with, with fiction. And I don't know if it stems from that. Uh, maybe it does. Maybe I just don't like fiction. Who knows? <laughs> we won't get into that, but I will say that you know, just because somebody doesn't speak the same language as you doesn't make them any less smarter than you. I think the language barrier Agreed. Agreed. is a is something that needs to be thought about and acknowledged. And you need to really respect that. And like, especially because we live in such a diverse country and people are always coming and going. Like the migration is very high. And in fact, we need that migration because Canada would not be able to sustain its population. There was a recent article about that that I actually read how like Canada needs like 400,000 immigrants to be out here to sustain the workforce and everything else but they're not any less smart than you just because they don't know a language they just aren't able to communicate in that language you try going to india and speaking that language like you would probably look so dumb too well i mean to be honest like i mean yeah canada canada's like immigration policy that's a whole other thing too right like they have the point scoring system so everyone coming here is already very much educated so it's like there is that part of it as well and so it's like it's interesting to see how like 
I remember like there's that running joke of like, you know, like all the taxi drivers are actually all doctors, <laughs> like they're engineers because they are very educated. They're like, you know, they came here for personal reasons and like, and that's fine. And that, I think that's totally okay too. Um, but I think the one thing like I was thinking about was um, growing up, like, I don't know if your parents ever said this. Did they ever tell you like, I was like, obviously like school is very important. So they're like, focus on school. But did they ever tell you like, you don't need friends or like friends will come and go. <laughs> like, um, was that ever a thing for you? I think a little bit, like never directly, but like indirectly, they would always subliminally. Like, it was very subliminal. It was very much yeah. so like, like, why are you always hanging out with that person? Mm-hmm. It's like, just cause mm-hmm. you don't have any friends. I mean, I can't have any. <laughs> no, I remember that being, or like just asking to like hang out or like, you know, it's like, doing stuff I think that was probably like the trickiest thing like after school like you know when people be like oh like come over to my house or like you know let's do this after school and I'd literally be like yeah my parents are not cool with that like that's definitely a big no I'm gonna have to go home like, sleepovers I was were not a thing in my household oh my god every everyone that I know <laughs> I swear it's an immigrant daughter thing like it was not a thing I also Absolutely really like not allowed in bed like, I don't like being uncomfortable in other people's beds. And like, sure. I don't know when they wash their sheets. Like, I don't, I also like just like being by myself. <laughs> so I'm just kind of like, ew. Um, but as a kid, I swear, like that was always a thing. Or I was like, oh, like I'm not allowed to go for a sleepover. Like, that's not a thing. Like I can't. And it was just so hard. I don't know. It got to a point where it's like, I always said no to like hanging out with people or like going out with kids and friends. And so the more I said no, the more people stopped asking me so it just got to a point where like right. oh you're gonna say no anyways like social exclusion almost oh absolutely that was a- at what age were you allowed to go to the movie theaters like in high school probably yeah same like late into <laughs> high school but also can I just say I think like part of me always felt guilty like I don't know how to explain it, but like mm-hmm. part of me felt guilty for not going, but part of me felt guilty for going when I was allowed to do things. Same. And I'm oh like, what is this immigrant God. child guilt? guilt. Holy. So <laughs> why did you cover that perfectly? Because um, it's like, I would, I still, I'm not gonna lie. I still struggle with that to this day. Like I sometimes feel guilty for having fun. I don't know sure. how to have I know, I know, I know. But it's just that thing, like, as a child growing up, you're right. It's like, why do I, it's like, you feel guilty for not being able to do something. And then when you go out and do something, you're like, I can't even, you're just stressed about what time I need to make it home. (laughs) And I just think, like, seeing kind of that behavior in your parents, like, we didn't really take vacations. Like, maybe we went to Montreal once when I was younger. And then very recently, we took a vacation. And it's like, it was really weird. I was like, what are we doing? Like, we haven't taken a family vacation vacation. in, like, seven years (laughs) like what is this and I I feel really weird about going on vacation too because I'm like I could be saving that money (laughs) but I think it's that's such an immigrant mindset I'm not saying all immigrants are like that but like for me it's just one of those things where it's like I do want to see the world but I also gotta secure I know I know I know I know I Um, guess that comes down to everyone right but I agree it's the it's the immigrant hustle it's you know like watching them like when you grew up like you saw the hustle you saw the grind and then you feel guilty if you don't like live up to a certain, you know, right. set of expectations. But I think that's also where we got to like navigate. It's like at the end of the day, I think all our parents want is for us to be happy, right? So it's just like navigating your dreams 
plus theirs and somehow being able to like merge it or finding a balance or like you know still being able mm -hmm. to I think that's still tricky I think that's so hard especially like in our 20s like yeah. there's so many things that are coming up in our lives and like being able to navigate there's no book there's actually no book there's we should no write one <laughs> <laughs> I think 20s are one of those years in my mind that are truly your own because and I'm not saying people don't get like start families younger or like, you know, people aren't still doing things with their parents. I'm just saying like 20s are truly kind of for me in my mind, the time that you get to focus on yourself and what you want and then also kind of reconcile maybe what your parents want and what your mm -hmm. future family might look like. I think it's kind of this middle zone where you truly get to live it out and be yourself again, not to say that you can't live it up like at 30, Any other 40, time. 50. But I think, you know, when you're younger, obviously we're children. So from age zero to 10, 11, like you don't really think. And then the teenage years, like high school years and like your late 18, 19, 20, you're still kind of, you know, uh, really just stepping out into the world um, and you're just still learning. But I think when you come into your 20s, you're kind of like, wait, there's a lot more. You've had the experience to navigate the world on your own for like a year or two. Um, and I think that can come to your benefit in terms of being able to step out more and almost gaining an independence. But I will say this, I think that it also depends on kind of what your family situation's like. Mm -hmm. More often than not, I think for immigrant kids, you always kind of have your parents to fall back on. I'm not saying you don't, if you like grew up here or if you're like white, <laughs> I'll say it. But I just feel like more often, like culturally, I think I know that no matter what happens, when I shoot my shot, when I you know have my company, like I ever fail, I have my parents there. Absolutely. To me. Absolutely. Um, I don't I know think... if that's the case for everybody. I think that's a huge realization actually that I had in my 20s, if I'm going to be completely honest, is like, I see my parents more again as like humans. And I also think I've built more of like a friendship or I'm starting to or trying to, you know what I mean? Like I'm not seeing them as like my enemy, for example. It's like, no, they're my friends. They're here for me. They've been here for me from the get go. Right. And it's like, I think the 20s have been that realization for me personally. It's just like, oh, they are my number one supporters. It's just yeah. like, at the end of the day though, it's like, they had to raise me during probably like their most challenging and toughest times. So yeah. me being in my twenties, I'm able to acknowledge that and I can appreciate that now versus when I was probably like in my teen years, I'm like definitely not acknowledging that and I'm not seeing that either, right? Yeah. Like I did probably to an extent, like I won't lie, I definitely did. I'm definitely an empath, like I'm, I'm such an empathetic person. Like I know that I am. Um, but the thing is like, there are moments when you have to like balance and choose yourself first too. And I think that's also where you navigate and you try and figure that out, right? Like you realize like, oh, okay, yeah, we talk about being young in our twenties, but at the same time, a part of being your twenties is you're also an adult now, right? Like, or like yeah. you are, like you're trying to do the whole adulting thing, <laughs> trying being the keyword. But, you know, like that being said, I think our relationships with our parents now is the time where you can kind of mend it. You can kind of understand where it was they were coming from. You can understand the time and age when they were raising us. Right. There were so many factors that, you know, like hopefully God willing, like, you know, for us, we don't have to like stress as much as they did. Right. Like they had probably like a different level of stress. But at the same time, it's also acknowledging that as kids, you're seeing that stress and you have that stress too, right? Like, I think that's where it is. It's finding that balance of being like, 
we acknowledge and see the stress that our parents are going through. But at the same time, we saw that. And we also still had to navigate whatever it was that we were going through because we felt helpless. Like, what are yeah. we going to do as kids? Like, actually, what are we going to do as kids? You're right. And I think it's it's tough uh, navigating that balance between what is kind of what you should be doing and what you shouldn't. Like, I think it's also different in terms of, again, the family you grew up in. Mm-hmm. My parents kind of, you know, wouldn't share everything. And even there are things that I discover now about mm-hmm. our family that I'm like, wait, what? Like, yeah. why wouldn't you tell us? Um, and I think they do it to protect us. And I think I grew up in a family where my parents wanted to cause like the least amount of harm to us. Mm-hmm. And they would just kind of like not share a lot of their stresses. But then exactly. I think at certain points they would add up and then lead to like explosions in the household. Mm-hmm. And that's when you would lo- know that maybe something isn't like, right. Maybe there are some financial stresses. Maybe there are some other stresses. They just didn't tell us uh, exactly. for a long period of time. They would only tell us when it got to the, not even tell us, but we would just find out when mm-hmm. it got to that, like, boiling point and I think that's kind of something that we need to maybe get better at um and I think I think something that's been interesting is that recently my dad was like you know like I learned a lot from you guys too my dad says the same thing (laughs) like I don't know if you meant it in a good way but I think there are these generational differences right where the way that they interact with their parents and how for them, if their parents said something, they would never argue. Mm-hmm. But I'm out here being a feminist in the household <laughs> as the older daughter and being like, I'm not washing the dishes if my brother isn't. Mm-hmm. And my parents are like, we would have never said that to our parents, right? Mm-hmm. But then I also like can see your point. And I think it's fair for you to say those things. So mm-hmm. they're acknowledging the change that's occurred. Absolutely. And also saying, yeah, we're learning from that. Just the way that we treat our friendships. I think like culturally... Like, I think culturally in friendships and in relationships, our parents' generations, especially as immigrants and as other, you know, parents, other people's parents who are also immigrants, when they meet together at family gatherings, there's just so much give that happens. And I'm like, our generation's a little bit more cut and dry in terms Mm -hmm. of like, we're just going to go out and eat. And mm-hmm. like we split the bill versus for them, it's like one person's paying for everything and they fight yeah. over the bill. Yeah. Um, we don't do that often. <laughs> so I know. maybe because we're in our twenties and I, I think that's fair. I think it's fair to keep things kind of even and equal, but for them, I think maybe that's not the case. Cause I think they're so used to giving, giving to our generation, giving to their parents' generation. And you know, they truly, are that, they're they known are that as the middle. sandwich generation, right? They are. They really are the sandwich generation. The one thing I will say, I remember my dad saying, which kind of, blew my mind but also like made me realize like oh I don't give my parents enough credit sometimes like for how woke they actually are (laughs) um but I remember my dad said this one line where he was just like um he truly strongly believes that the next generation always does better and I was like hearing that coming from him like he has that hope and like he trusts and believes that like you know his kids are going to do better than that like better than him and I'm like that made me feel really good it made me feel really warm and like it also made me like kind of trust that like he has he trusts it he trusts the process like he knows that each generation is trying to do better and kind of hearing that was like I don't know it was really warm like I don't know made my heart really really warm (laughs) I was just like dad what (laughs) like you know that's are you admitting to this like what are you actually admitting to us being better potentially like I don't know (laughs) but that's the essence right of the immigrant experience our parents didn't come here 
to have fun. They didn't come at an age where they could have fun. They had to work their ass off. Mm-hmm. They came at an age where their children could have that better life that maybe they didn't have growing up, right? To have mm-hmm. those amenities and the facilities that they might not have had access to, or we might not have had ha- access to had we grown up um, in India in our case. And that's not to say that India isn't like a wonderful country. It is, but I think there are a lot more, a lot of more- cultural differences. I also think there's like not any it depends exactly what part of India from but also like as women I think there are certain limitations right like I know there I like safety's a thing <laughs> like mm-hmm. you know let me just put it out there it is the thing still so for women it is a bit more challenging not to say there are obviously certain areas where it's totally way better than we probably could have imagined now but back then like definitely not right so there is that to it and I also agree with you in the sense that like, like I think about you know, if we say our parents are strict, right? And then I take a step back, like I'll take even a like further step back and I'll be like, wait, but like how strict were my grandparents? Like, you know, mm-hmm. like, and that's the part where you said, you know, like our parents, maybe they weren't allowed to go to the movie theaters at all. Us, it was like, okay, we get to go in high school, <laughs> you know? So there are tiny little differences where I've noticed where I'm like, you know, but it again, time is, a huge part of it right like culture is a huge part of it like priorities were different like you know like what my grandparents had to do to survive was different than what my parents had to do to survive versus what we're gonna have to do to survive or you know like you're right hopefully or live so um there is that to it as well and like can I point out that you use the word survival and I think that's a very interesting choice of word right that's why like, we I, that's why I switched I, tr- I tried yeah that's why I tried literally caught myself <laughs> there as I said it and then I was just like oh no <laughs> I meant live that is what I meant thrive <laughs> <laughs> survive and thrive so yes. yeah no I think and also I think there's a difference in access like before if you went anywhere Nobody could have access to you, but now we have cell phones. We have, you know, track my phone. I think there's a little bit of a better handle, which is a double-edged sword, I will say. But Mm -hmm. now we have a little bit of an easier time connecting to people and being able to find people. And that's why there aren't as many serial killers. Knock on wood. (laughs) (laughs) Comic relief. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Um, But yeah, no, you're right. Okay, I have another interesting question for you. What at it? what age were you allowed to have Facebook? Because like talking about technology and social media, because I know we were that age of like, you know, seeing if our parents would let us have Facebook or did you have to go behind their backs to get it? Or like, what, what was the story for you? I just don't think it was a conversation. Like my parents never stopped me from having social media. Like, it's just like never a discussion. Like occasionally oh my it'll God, come up with reels. Like my parents also don't have like Instagram or Twitter mm-hmm. or anything like that. Um, they do have Facebook, but I'm not on Facebook anymore. Like I'm on it, but I'm not on it. On it. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think I would have been finishing grade eight, grade nine between that time. Okay. I think grade nine. You had to be 13. Or... Oh, you did, up. right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. So I think I was grade 10 or something like that. Grade nine or grade 10. Mm-hmm. But I remember it being a discussion in my household because I'd be like, oh my God, all my friends have it. Like, I don't understand. Why can't I have it? Like it was one of those discussions. Um, I was eventually allowed to have it, but, um, yeah, I definitely was high school. I think I remember that right. now. Um, but it's hard because like back then when people had like cell phones, you know, you could still contact people through a landline. You still had mm-hmm. access to a phone. But now like if all the group chats are happening on Facebook <laughs> or Messenger or Instagram and like conversation moves at like such a quick right. pace, you mm-hmm. can't keep up with that on a phone. Like I just feel like it's you can't necessarily if you are like a super socially connected person and you're like part 
a part of many different group chats. I think it's difficult to have that same experience without social media. I agree. I a thousand percent agree. And I think that's what like probably one of the reasons why I'd be like, oh, because projects are happening on this. Like, you know, I need to chat with everyone. I mean, which is true to an extent, but like, again, I think we were that era of like trying to figure out, okay, like when's it appropriate to have a Facebook account? Like, But I wonder if like, this is a, like a, like just an immigrant experience thing. I wonder like what the experience was for other people who maybe- I'm not gonna lie, I remember my white friends, like they were able to get Facebook in like two seconds. Like they didn't have to put much of a fight. I feel like I had to put up quite a bit of a fight. But I mean, that also, again, me making a generalized statement around those who were around me, but that was the case for me and those who were around me at that time, so. Interesting. I wanna ask you though, what was, so when your family came here, did you live out in Toronto or did you move to like more of a suburban region? So we were in Toronto. So we were in Toronto initially for a couple of years and then we moved into a suburban region. So, so what was that experience for you? I think being an immigrant in Toronto is a little bit different. It was extremely different. Tell I, me about that. For me, like I loved it. I, I loved initially, like I remember going to school in Toronto too, like my elementary school experience because it was so diverse. It was so diverse. Um, also, like, I remember a music room. Like, they just had a lot. Okay, I'm just going to be honest. A lot more facilities. <laughs> like, way more facilities. Um, and, like, there was, like, a music room. I still remember that. And then things like that. And we would have, like, um, oh, my goodness. It was, like, National Food Day or something like that. So, they encourage you to bring food from your cultural background. Like, I remember my mom, but she made, like, a a fusion type of thing so what she did was she made puri like um and she made puri and then she put like jam in it though like jelly and like rolled it up so like kids loved it like ate it up because it was pretty much like peanut butter and jelly but minus bread it was puri and no peanut butter because allergies (laughs) so (laughs) that was like the thing that i brought to school and kids loved i remember that everyone loved it um so like we were encouraged to do things like that i remember that being a thing versus like moving into a suburban area like that was not a thing. I don't think I ever had International Food Day in elementary school, like where we brought in food from like, you know, our cultural backgrounds or anything like that. That wasn't really a thing. But I do remember that being one of the moments of like getting to try different foods from like everyone in my class and like things like that. Something just like something so small, but I remembered that. I remember that. And then obviously moving into the suburban, you as you can imagine, it was it was it was fine. Like I never, I, I can be honest, like I didn't feel too much because we were still kids. I think the most I felt was probably in high school. Like high school would be where I noticed it more. As kids, it was a lot more easier. Like we were still there to play, have fun, like do the regular, regular stuff. The only thing I noticed is like not being allowed to go to sleepovers. That was probably the biggest thing as kids. Um, sleepovers and like anything like considered having too much fun you know you can't be having too much fun (laughs) yeah and I think it was such a fine balance too even now it's like if I leave the house on Saturday like can I ask my mom to also leave the house on a Sunday like you cannot have fun two days in a row in in an immigrant household like that's just what the tea is can that be the quote like that's (laughs) actually excerpt for one of our stories but uh it's true like it's just it's so interesting to me but then also I think it's different because I think my parents ask me a lot more questions because I'm living with them again Mm. um and they wouldn't ask me as many questions if when you're oh yeah I wasn't 
like very out of sight, out of mind, not in like a bad way, but just in like a capacity way. Absolutely. Um, like even now I have to like confirm plans with them. I have to be like, okay, so like on Sunday, this is happening. Mm-hmm. And they'll be like, okay. And then like a day before what is happening? Like, I can't, I can't do this. I can't grocery shop with you on Sunday because I'm doing this. And then on Sunday they'll be like, okay, want to come with me to grocery shop? And I'll be like, no, I can't. Like I have plans. Yeah. Um, versus like when you were like living in like undergrad and stuff like house it was just different I'm assuming so yeah I just I think it's funny though because I also like I think my parents and I think this is a very immigrant thing mm-hmm. ingrained within me to like confirm plans like well in advance I, or oh, maybe this is just like my parents thing oh, wait, like wait, by wait, Wednesday wait. night I need to know if we're doing something for the weekend if you don't tell me if it's after Wednesday night <laughs> like I can't <laughs> no oh my god that reminded me of like the thing that we would do is like I'm not even going to say as kids, like even now, like it'll be like, I'll be like to my friend, I'd be like, yo, you asked my mom. Like if you ask my mom, my mom oh can't my say gosh. no. <laughs> oh my gosh. Or when we don't want to do something and we're just like, my mom said no. The no. <laughs> the, way that- <laughs> the way that I use them like both ways, I was like, that is so true. It's like, you just don't want to say no to your friend. So you just say your mom can't say no. But then when you do want to say something, you ask that friend. Can you ask my mom, please? Living please. at home has its perks because I oh, just absolutely. be like, oh, no, like, you know, my mom and my dad needed me to do something for them. Oh, my goodness. That one brought back so many memories. Like, I've definitely asked my cousins to ask on my behalf, like, to do <laughs> stuff, like, because it's okay, way harder for them to say no. That's like, okay, I have another question now. So do you think it also makes a difference um, when it comes to your experiences, whether or not you have additional family or friends here. So coming here as like the only person from like your network in the country that you originated from versus having people when you come back, uh, come into a new country that can support you, just not even like not financially, like literally just socially. Like socially. Yeah. I think that makes a huge difference. Um, I know for a fact, like having like at least like even just a couple of my cousins here like it made the world of a difference right like because a like they also like I guess were like born here so like they have a little bit more of like you know like you kind of just feel like you have backup <laughs> like mm-hmm. in the sense yeah. of like you know there's that sense of support like you know you can rant to them like I've seen that thing though like that meme where it's like your cousins are either your biggest enemies or your like best friends <laughs> Could be. Yeah, because, you know, I've definitely heard of those horror stories of those cousins who rat out other cousins to their parents. Like, uncalled for, just saying. But it just gets stitches. Big facts, big facts. Sorry, I'm such a pacifist. Every time I say these things, I don't mean them. Just know that. Like, but um, she does. But, but I will say that you're right. And I think even just having friends, like my dad had a bunch of friends from mm-hmm. like from his workplace in India. Yeah. And they all... Like even coming here and being able to stay with them for the first like two, three days is helpful. And can I say that there's no playbook? Like if I was going into another country and I didn't know anybody, like I wouldn't even know like where to begin. Like if oh, I was in their position. zero, zero. That's why I said, I was like, how did they do it? We need a playbook. Like we literally I- need one and we need to be like, okay, find somebody to go and like stay at. <laughs> I don't know. It's but hard. Like it's also hard. things are expensive. Like currency conversions. Like when you come here, when you're new here, like are you new here? Sorry. <laughs> Do you know that meme? Yeah. You actually know it? No, I'm so sorry. You're such I a really... liar. It's like, are you new here? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> it's a <the> whole thing. 
I know at least one person listening will get it. Um, but you price compare everything when you're new. Like literally. Oh, absolutely. You look absolutely. back and you're like, this would cost this much this from much. where I come from. That's expensive. Yeah, I think I was thinking about it. Dude, like weather was also a huge thing, right? Like snowstorms here. Like nobody preps you for that. Like you have no idea what type of coats you should be wearing, what boots you should be wearing, what shoes you should be wearing. Like those are all tiny little things. I know like my uncles like definitely were like the ones who kind of was like, hey, like don't wear running shoes when it's like six feet of snow outside. Like, you know, yeah, proper winter boots, like tiny little things like that. Like, again, there was no playbook. It was very much so like, hey, by the way, there's six feet of snow, like deal with it. And people have the audacity to be mean to like people who are new Mm -hmm. and just be rude to them. Like they're going through it. Genuinely going through it. Like it's, it's a, again, we are resilient. You know, we definitely had a lot to navigate. Um, we had, we still have a lot to navigate. And like, I think it's important to give us, give ourselves some grace. Like, I think that's the other thing. Like, I feel we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. Um, I know that for a fact, speaking to you, speaking to my cousins, speaking to my friends around my age, like we put a lot of pressure. We carry on not only our dreams, but I feel like we also carry on our parents' dreams. Not to say that like non-immigrants don't, but I feel like there's an added level of pressure that immigrant children do have. Um, And it's just, it's unfortunate, but also it's a good thing because I think that's what allows us to be who we are as long as we are giving ourselves some type of grace, you know, and being like, it is okay. We are allowed to make mistakes. We are also allowed to still put ourselves first, right? Like, and you said like our parents, and they are the sandwich generation. Like they really did what they did so that we can also, I'm going to say the word live. Love that. And thrive. <laughs> live and thrive. <laughs> right. So I think, yeah, it's, <laughs> there's a lot to it it's very it's very complex that's you're right and I think that that's what we need to acknowledge that it is complex and you know when you got into the world be kind because you don't know what the person sitting beside you on the subway might be going through what kind of day they might have had what kind of news they might have heard so just you know as you said show people grace show yourself grace and just mm-hmm. move forward with kindness which I think is what I learned from today's episode me too genuinely I agree a thousand percent because at the end of the day, we're all still doing this thing. We're all doing this thing together, but it's kind of warm and touching to know the fact that we share similar experiences, but at the same time, they're also very unique to our own story. So live your story, embrace it because there's only one you. Aww. (laughs) (laughs) So with that, we're going to say... Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of China 20s. Please feel free to share it with your friends. If you can relate to this immigrant experience, we would love to hear more about it and hopefully share it on our next episode even maybe. So give us a follow on our Instagram at Chai20s and we hope to see and hear from you guys very soon.